Section 18 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rood. The Great Jewish Revolt siege and destruction of jerusalem a d seventy by josephus part four in the meantime josephus as he was going round the city had his head wounded by a stone that was thrown at him upon which he fell down as giddy josephus soon recovered of his wound and came out and cried out aloud that it would not be long ere they should be punished for this wound they had given him he also made a fresh exhortation to the people to come out upon the security that would be given them this sight of josephus encouraged the people greatly and brought a great consternation upon the seditious hereupon some of the deserters having no other way leaped down from the wall immediately while others of them went out of the city with stones as if they would fight them but thereupon they fled away to the romans but here a worse fate accompanied these than what they had found within the city and they met with a quicker despatch from the too great abundance they had among the romans than they could have done from the famine among the jews for when they came first to the romans they were puffed up by the famine and swelled like men in a dropsy after which they all on the sudden overfilled those bodies that were before empty and so burst asunder excepting such only as were skilful enough to restrain their appetites and by degrees took in their food into bodies unaccustomed thereto yet did another plague seize upon those that were thus preserved for there was found among the syrian deserters a certain person who was caught gathering pieces of gold out of the excrements of the jews bellies for the deserters used to swallow such pieces of gold as we told you before when they came out and for these did the seditious search them all for there was a great quantity of gold in the city insomuch that as much was now sold in the roman camp for twelve attic drachmas as was sold before for twenty-five but when this contrivance was discovered in one instance the fame of it filled their several camps that the deserters came to them full of gold so the multitude of the arabians with the syrians cut up those that came as supplicants and searched their bellies nor does it seem to me that any misery befell the jews that was more terrible than this since in one night's time about two thousand of these deserters were thus dissected when titus came to the knowledge of this wicked practice he threatened that he would put such men to death if any of them were discovered to be so insolent as to do so again moreover he gave it in charge to the legions that they should make a search after such as were suspected and should bring them to him but it appeared that the love of money was too great for all their dread of punishment and a vehement desire of gain is natural to men and no passion is so venturesome as covetousness otherwise such passions have certain bounds and are subordinate to fear but in reality it was god who condemned the whole nation 
and turned every course that was taken for their preservation to their destruction this therefore which was forbidden by caesar under such a threatening was ventured upon privately against the deserters and these barbarians would go out still and meet those that ran away before any saw them and looking about them to see that no romans spied them they dissected them and pulled this polluted money out of their bowels which money was still found in a few of them while yet a great many were destroyed by the bare hope there was of thus getting by them which miserable treatment made many that were deserting to return back again into the city and indeed why do i relate these particular calamities while menaeus the son of lazarus came running to titus at this very time and told him that there had been carried out through that one gate which was entrusted to his care no fewer than a hundred and fifteen thousand eight hundred and eighty dead bodies in the interval between the fourteenth day of the month xanthicus nisan when the romans pitched their camp by the city and the first day of the month panemus tammuz this was itself a prodigious multitude and though this man was not himself set as a governor at that gate yet was he appointed to pay the public stipend for carrying these bodies out and so was obliged of necessity to number them while the rest were buried by their relations though all their burial was but this to bring them away and cast them out of the city after this man there ran away to titus many of the eminent citizens and told him the entire number of the poor that were dead and that no fewer than six hundred thousand were thrown out at the gates though still the number of the rest could not be discovered and they told him further that when they were no longer able to carry out the dead bodies of the poor they laid their corpses on heaps in very large houses and shut them up therein as also that a medimno of wheat was sold for a talent and that when a while afterward it was not possible to gather herbs by reason the city was all walled about some persons were driven to that terrible distress as to search the common sewers and old dunghills of cattle and to eat the dung which they got there and what they of old could not endure so much as to see they now used for food when the romans barely heard all this they commiserated their case while the seditious who saw it also did not repent but suffered the same distress to come upon themselves for they were blinded by that fate which was already coming upon the city and upon themselves also and now the romans although they were greatly distressed in getting together their materials raised their banks in one and twenty days after they had cut down all the trees that were in the country that adjoined to the city and that for ninety furlongs round about and when the banks were finished they afforded a foundation for fear both to the romans and to the jews for the jews expected that the city would be taken unless they could burn those banks as did the romans expect that if these were once burned down they should never be able to take it for there was a mighty scarcity of materials and the bodies of the soldiers began to fail with such hard labors as did their souls faint with so many instances of ill success the romans had an advantage in that their engines for sieges cooperated with them in throwing darts and stones as far as the jews when they were coming out of the city whereby the man that fell 
became an impediment to him that was next to him as did the danger of going farther make them less zealous in their attempts and for those that had run under the darts some of them were terrified by the good order and closeness of the enemy's ranks before they came to a close fight and others were pricked with their spears and turned back again at length they reproached one another for their cowardice and retired without doing anything this attack was made upon the first day of the month panemus tammuz so when the jews were retreated the romans brought their engines although they had all the while stones thrown at them from the tower of antonia and were assaulted by fire and sword and by all sorts of darts which necessity afforded the jews to make use of for although these had great dependence on their own wall and a contempt of the roman engines yet did they endeavor to hinder the romans from bringing them now these romans struggled hard on the contrary to bring them as deeming that this zeal of the jews was in order to avoid any impression to be made on the tower of antonia because its wall was but weak and its foundations rotten however that tower did not yield to the blows given it from the engines yet did the romans bear the impressions made by the enemy's darts which were perpetually cast at them and did not give way to any of those dangers that came upon them from above and so they brought their engines to bear but then as they were beneath the other and were sadly wounded by the stones thrown down upon them some of them threw their shields over their bodies and partly with their hands and partly with their bodies and partly with crows they undermined its foundations and with great pains they removed four of its stones then night came upon both sides and put an end to this struggle for the present however that night the wall was so shaken by the battering rams in that place where john had used his stratagem before and had undermined their banks that the ground then gave way and the wall fell down suddenly when this accident had unexpectedly happened the minds of both parties were variously affected for though one would expect that the jews would be discouraged because this fall of their wall was unexpected by them and they had made no provision in that case yet did they pull up their courage because the tower of antonia itself was still standing as was the unexpected joy of the romans at this fall of the wall soon quenched by the sight they had of another wall which john and his party had built within it upon the fifth day of the month panemus tammuz twelve of those men that were on the forefront and kept watch upon the banks got together and called to them the standard-bearer of the fifth legion and two others of a troop of horsemen and one trumpeter these went without noise about the ninth hour of the night through the ruins to the tower of antonia and when they had cut the throats of the first guards of the place as they were asleep they got possession of the wall and ordered the trumpeter to sound his trumpet upon which the rest of the guard got up on the sudden and ran away before anybody could see how many they were that were gotten up for partly from the fear they were in and partly from the sound of the trumpet which they heard they imagined a great number of the enemy were gotten up but as soon as caesar heard the signal 
he ordered the army to put on their armor immediately and came thither with his commanders and first of all ascended as did the chosen men that were with him and as the jews were flying away to the temple they fell into that mine which john had dug under the roman banks then did the seditious of both the bodies of the jewish army as well that belonging to john as that belonging to simon drive them away and indeed were no way wanting as to the highest degree of force and alacrity for they esteemed themselves entirely ruined if once the romans got into the temple as did the romans look upon the same thing as the beginning of their entire conquest so a terrible battle was fought at the entrance of the temple while the romans were forcing their way in order to get possession of that temple and the jews were driving them back to the tower of antonia in which battle the darts were on both sides useless as well as the spears and both sides drew their swords and fought it out hand to hand now during this struggle the positions of the men were undistinguished on both sides and they fought at random the men being intermixed one with another and confounded by reason of the narrowness of the place while the noise that was made fell on the ear after an indistinct manner because it was so very loud great slaughter was now made on both sides and the combatants trod upon the bodies and the armor of those that were dead and dashed them to pieces accordingly to which side soever the battle inclined those that had the advantage exhorted one another to go on as did those that were beaten make great lamentation but still there was no room for flight nor for pursuit but disorderly revolutions and retreats while the armies were intermixed one with another but those that were in the first ranks were under the necessity of killing or being killed without any way for escaping for those on both sides that came behind forced those before them to go on without leaving any space between the armies at length the jews violent zeal was too hard for the romans skill and the battle already inclined entirely that way for the fight had lasted from the ninth hour of the night till the seventh hour of the day while the jews came on in crowds and had the danger the temple was in for their motive the romans having no more here than a part of their army for those legions on which the soldiers on that side depended were not come up to them so it was at present thought sufficient by the romans to take possession of the tower of antonia in the meantime the rest of the roman army had in seven days time overthrown some foundations of the tower of antonia and had made a ready and broad way to the temple then did the legions come near the first court and began to raise their banks the one bank was over against the northwest corner of the inner temple another was at that northern edifice which was between the two gates and of the other two one was at the western cloister of the outer court of the temple the other against its northern cloister however these works were thus far advanced by the romans not without great pains and difficulty and particularly by being obliged to bring their materials from the distance of a hundred furlongs they had further difficulties also upon them 
sometimes by their over-great security they were in that they should overcome the jewish snares laid for them and by that boldness of the jews which their despair of escaping had inspired them withal in the meantime the jews were so distressed by the fights they had been in as the war advanced higher and higher and creeping up to the holy house itself that they as it were cut off those limbs of their body which were infected in order to prevent the distempers spreading further for they set the northwest cloister which was joined to the tower of antonia on fire and after that break off about twenty cubits of that cloister and thereby made a beginning in burning the sanctuary two days after which or on the twenty-fourth day of the forenamed month panamus or tammuz the romans set fire to the cloister that joined to the other when the fire went fifteen cubits farther the jews in like manner cut off its roof nor did they entirely leave off what they were about till the tower of antonia was parted from the temple even when it was in their power to have stopped the fire nay they lay still while the temple was first set on fire and deemed this spreading of the fire to be for their own advantage however the armies were still fighting one against another about the temple and the war was managed by continual sallies of particular parties against one another now of those that perished by famine in the city the number was prodigious and the miseries they underwent were unspeakable for if so much as the shadow of any kind of food did anywhere appear a war was commenced presently and the dearest friends fell a-fighting one with another about it snatching from each other the most miserable supports of life nor would men believe that those who were dying had no food but the robbers would search them when they were expiring lest any one should have concealed food in his bosom and counterfeited dying nay these robbers gaped for want and ran about stumbling and staggering along like mad dogs and reeling against the doors of the houses like drunken men they would also in the great distress they were in rush into the very same houses two or three times in one and the same day moreover their hunger was so intolerable that it obliged them to chew everything while they gathered such things as the most sordid animals would not touch and endured to eat them nor did they at length abstain from girdles and shoes and the very leather which belonged to their shields they pulled off and gnawed the very wisps of old hay became food to some and some gathered up fibres and sold a very small weight of them for four attic drachmas but why do i describe the shameless impudence that the famine brought on men in their eating inanimate things while i am going to relate a matter of fact the like to which no history relates either among the greeks or barbarians it is horrible to speak of it and incredible when heard i had indeed willingly omitted this calamity of ours that i might not seem to deliver what is so portentous to posterity but that i have innumerable witnesses to it in my own age and besides my country would have had little reason to thank me for suppressing the miseries that she underwent at this time there was a certain woman that dwelt beyond jordan her name was mary her father was eleazar of the village 
Bethesab, which signifies the house of Hysop. She was eminent for her family and her wealth, and had fled away to Jerusalem with the rest of the multitude, and was with them besieged therein at this time. The other effects of this woman had been already seized upon, such I mean as she had brought with her out of Perea, and removed to the city. What she had treasured up besides, as also what food she had contrived to save, had been also carried off by the rapacious guards, who came every day running into her house for that purpose. This put the poor woman into a very great passion, and by the frequent reproaches and imprecations she cast at these rapacious villains, she had provoked them to anger against her. But none of them, either out of the indignation she had raised against herself, or out of commiseration of her case, would take away her life, and if she found any food, she perceived her labours were for others and not for herself, and it was now become impossible for her, anyway, to find any more food, while the famine pierced through her very bowels and marrow, when also her passion was fired to a degree beyond the famine itself, nor did she consult with anything but with her passion and the necessity she was in. She then attempted a most unnatural thing, and snatching up her son who was a child sucking at her breast she said o oh, thou miserable infant for whom shall i preserve thee in this war this famine and this sedition as to the war with the romans if they preserve our lives we must be slaves this famine also will destroy us even before that slavery comes upon us yet are these seditious rogues more terrible than both the other come on be thou my food, and be thou a fury to these seditious varlets, and a byword to the world, which is all that is now wanting to complete the calamities of us Jews. As soon as she had said this, she slew her son, and then roasted him, and eat the one half of him, and kept the other half by her concealed. Upon this the seditious came in presently, and smelling the horrid scent of this food, they threatened her that they would cut her throat immediately if she did not show them what food she had gotten ready. She replied that she had saved a very fine portion of it for them, and withal uncovered what was left of her son. Hereupon they were seized with a horror and amazement of mind, and stood astonished at the sight when she said to them, This is mine own son, and what hath been done was mine own doing. Come, eat of this food, for I have eaten of it myself. Do not you pretend to be either more tender than a woman or more compassionate than a mother, but if you be so scrupulous and do abominate this my sacrifice, as I have eaten the one half, let the rest be reserved for me also after which those men went out trembling being never so much affrighted at anything as they were at this and with some difficulty they left the rest of that meat to the mother upon which the whole city was full of this horrid action immediately and while everybody laid this miserable case before their own eyes they trembled as if this unheard-of action had been done by themselves so those that were thus distressed by the famine were very desirous to die, and those already dead were esteemed happy, 
because they had not lived long enough either to hear or to see such miseries this sad instance was quickly told to the romans some of whom could not believe it and others pitied the distress which the jews were under but there were many of them who were hereby induced to a more bitter hatred than ordinary against our nation but for caesar he excused himself before god as to this matter and said that he had proposed peace and liberty to the jews as well as an oblivion of all their former insolent practices but that they instead of concord had chosen sedition instead of peace war and before satiety and abundance a famine that they had begun with their own hands to burn down that temple which we have preserved hitherto and that therefore they deserved to eat such food as this was that however this horrid action of eating an own child ought to be covered with the overthrow of their very country itself and men ought not to leave such a city upon the habitable earth to be seen by the sun wherein mothers are thus fed although such food be fitter for the fathers than for the mothers to eat of since it is they that continue still in a state of war against us after they have undergone such miseries as these and at the same time that he said this he reflected on the desperate condition these men must be in nor could he expect that such men could be recovered to sobriety of mind after they had endured those very sufferings for the avoiding whereof it only was probable they might have repented End of section eighteen recording by Linda Johnson